0: I want to welcome all of you. It's great to be back here uh, with you, in front of you. We've had some other great speakers. We were at Cal Poly last week, and uh, we're going to be here for a while, so through, through Christmas and, and for a while. But uh, if you're a guest here today, I want to welcome you. It's great to have you. We're excited you're here. And, and today we're going to be talking, we're starting a brand new series that will take us through the Christmas season all the way into next year, uh, with the exception of next week, and we're going to be talking about this right here okay our hearts okay and we're going to talk about our hearts it's that indefinable place in our lives it's not the physical heart but that indefinable place that motivates us to do different things like who we date who we want what we like what we hate and it's very powerful okay our hearts are extremely powerful we will do incredible things based on what's going on in here right uh, and, 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 so that's what we're going to be talking about. And as you saw in the little cute video, uh, there, our, our heart kind of goes through things, you know, uh, we, we filter through things. One day it's this, one day it's that. And, and, you know, so we're going to be talking about this for the next few weeks, but I want to start out with a question. How hard is it for us to have a change of heart once our heart is set on something? Ooh, I don't know about you, but when your heart is set on something, have you ever tried to talk to somebody when their heart is set on something? I try to talk them down, and then there's, there's all the, 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 the emotion and the drama, you know, when they've decided. You know, it's really difficult to, to, to dissuade somebody once their heart is, is set, right? I don't want to ask you today, have you ever had a change of heart? Have you ever had a change of heart? And I'm not talking about well, am I going to go with the blue shirt today, or am I going to go with the pink pink shirt today? I'm not talking about that kind of change of heart. I'm talking about a much deeper level. I'm talking about you were a die-hard Laker fan, right? I mean, a die-hard Laker fan, and then all of a sudden you had a change of heart, and now you're LAC. Okay? I mean that's the kind of heart. Or maybe 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 you were a diehard 49ers fan. And you had a change of heart and then you went you went silver and black. I mean you, you crossed the bay. Right? Or, or maybe, you know, you were a, maybe you were a, a fast food fried food, eat a cupcake for breakfast. After all, it's a pastry, who cares? I don't care about what I eat, whatever's in front of me, I eat it, right? And then, and then, you had a change of heart. Now you're a paleo, vegan, gluten-free, sugar-free, fat-free, taste-free eater, right? (laughs) I mean, you've had a complete change of heart, right? Or, or even more, how about a change of heart with people? You know, maybe that boss that you had, man, you couldn't stand him. I mean, he's so, he was so so heavy-handed. He was so, like, one-sided. He, all, all he cared about was himself and the company and the bottom line, and, and you never liked him. You hated him then he gave you a raise and gave you praise and now you love him you can't even imagine work for working for somebody else he's so awesome or maybe maybe uh you know maybe it's that young man that's dating your daughter Mm. couldn't stand him didn't like him hated him you know, why is he here? And then what's worse is when people talk about the person that you don't like, how much does that even make it worse? You know, oh, Dad, you've got you to gotta love him. He's so awesome. And you're like, what? what stop talking about it. You know, you, you know what I'm talking That's That's the heart. That's where all that stuff comes from. And have you ever had a change of heart? And you and I know that a change of heart is extremely difficult. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is, is, is a, change, a change of heart. And whenever somebody tries to talk you out of something that you believe, man, the defenses come up, particularly about maybe where you go to church and how you do church, right? Maybe you've been raised as a traditional religion, and you got your thing, and this is how we've done it. You did it your grandfather, your grandmother, you're, you know, all the way back, and you've never changed. This is how we do it. And if somebody says, hey, hey, I just want to ask you a question. Do you think you're doing the right thing? And man, the defense has come up, and we're like, no. I, who are you? You are not going to tell me. There's no way you're going to tell me what I should think is right or wrong, or about somebody that we don't like. There's no way you're going to tell me who to vote for. That's, that's what, I, what I want, what I believe. There's no way you're going to tell me what's, what's, what's the right way to, to see God. You know? and, and where do those defenses come from? Right here. And man, if somebody tries to challenge what you believe, you know, it, it could get ugly. But what is, the, what is the, the primary place where all that's going on? And it's in your heart. And have you ever had a change of heart about God? Have you ever had a change of heart about God? And what does that look like? And so today, what we're going to look at is you know, this whole idea of our hearts. And, and all of us know, hopefully all of us are intelligent enough to know that our heart, at one time or another, led us astray. Isn't that true? You know, when you went through a certain situation and you were so, like, determined, your parents told you no, your friends told you no, and you just said, no, this is what my heart wants. And then a few months later, you're like, man, what a mess. I wish I would have listened to them. And why did I do that? Why did I make that mistake? It's because your heart. And then you made a decision. You say, I will never listen to my heart again because my heart is so messed up. It's so blind. Has your heart ever led you astray? Hopefully you know that all of us need a heart check and if you don't have a heart check you can be in serious trouble because our hearts are so powerful I mean they drive us and they determine my wife can tell you when I have my heart set on something no way no way can't talk him down you know she knows and so then she invites other people to help me out you know but but that's, that's what we're up against, you and I. And today we're going to look at a, a story. We're going to look at a story in the Bible. It's incredibly famous. Everybody knows the name. And it's, it's about a man who needed a heart change. And you, when I say what we're going to talk about, you're going to go, oh, yeah, I know. I know that story. Even if you've not been to church forever, you're going to know this one. Because our world has hijacked this story, the name, and, and they've put it on the names of hospitals and of different places, and we know it. And we're going to talk about today the Good Samaritan. But before you go there and say, oh, yeah, I've heard that story before, I know, and the guy and the thing. and the... Hold on a second. I, I want you to be open today to listening to it in a totally different light. Because I believe as Jesus navigates this man through his heart change, I believe we can learn something about our own need for a heart change. Particularly at this time of the year when needs are so great. So we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 10 today and kind of give you a little background on this, this story. Right before this story, this, this is the time in Jesus' ministry. It's about a week or just before the Passion Week. I mean, Jesus has already run his ministry for about three years, and this is at the very tail end of his ministry when this takes place. And so people know who Jesus is. They, they know that he's somebody really, really special. They've seen the miracles. They've, they've seen healings, unprecedented healings that no one's ever heard of, no one's ever seen. They saw Lazarus raised from the dead after being dead for several days. They've seen incredible miracles. So jesus is wrapping up his ministry and so just there at the tail end people would come to him with questions because they weren't absolute they were like man just I, i i see that there's a possibility that you might be the messiah and so this man comes to jesus and asks him a question okay so let's pick it up in luke chapter 10 and in verse 25 on one occasion An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So here's somebody who, you know who he is because he's an expert. Now, let me put this in context for you. The Jewish law, there's about 600 plus laws that the Jews, God asked them through the Torah to, to, to uphold And so he knew every one of those. He could recite for you 600-plus laws of God. He knew them by memory. He not only knew what they were, he knew what they meant. So he could tell you what each law, how to interpret it, how to regulate it, how to to enact it. So he knew. He was incredibly smart. He dedicated a lot of time to God and to prayer. So he was an expert, and he's got this question. And he's checking Jesus. Jesus. I don't know if you've ever done that, but have you ever checked God and just said, hey God, if you exist, that's kind of what he's doing. Jesus, if you are who you say you are, I'm going to check you. And so he asks him, here's the question. Now, when he tests him, you could say, well, I don't know if he really was a believer in Jesus. No, I believe everybody at this point had questions about Jesus. Meaning they had one foot, yes, he's the Messiah, and one foot, I'm not sure. And I'm sure after all that these guys have seen, here's where he is. And he's questioning, do I want to be on Jesus' team? Do I want to be on God's team? I know I want to be on God's team, but do I want to be on Jesus' team? Because if he is the Messiah, and so he asks him, so what is it? What do I got to do? And Jesus doesn't answer the question. He says, well, you're the expert. Look what he says. What's written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? You tell me. What do you see? Puts the question. Now, whenever you ask an expert the question, he will have the answer. Promise you. Jesus didn't answer the question. He asked him. And so let me ask you today, what do you think God wants you to do? What's the one thing, if you could boil it down to one thing, what do you think that God wants you to do? This is the biggest question. It's the most important question there is. Hey, God, to be on your team, to be right with you, what do I have to do? What is it? I want to be in good standing, and, and maybe some of you are not even sure if you believe in God. You may have higher being, you know, higher power, you know, a, a designer, you know, somebody out there. Okay, well, let's just put it in your terms and say, okay, if that someone is asking, what's the one thing that that designer, higher power, higher level, higher being wants from you? What do you think it is? And that's the most important question there is, Right? This is the sum total of your life. Are you doing it right? Are you in good standing with God? So what do you think it is? I'll ask you. And so that's what Jesus was asking him. And so we read on, and the expert gives the answer. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and with all your your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. This is it. And he knew it because if you walk around this building, this is a Jewish synagogue, there are little door frames everywhere. Okay, if you walk in the, 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 the archway to every door, the frame of every door, there's a little, little thing. Guess what's written on that little thing in Hebrew? Here it is. This is it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's it. Okay, but here's something interesting that this, this teacher did. Okay, this expert in the law, he says here, and, whoa, there's more than one? He wants extra credit. So he's going to add on something extra. And everybody's shocked at this point because no Jew would add anything on to the one thing. This is it. You don't add on to the one thing. What else can there be? This is it. And he says, and, everybody's, whoa. Whoa. He's about to walk on the plank. So let's see what he says. And love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is not something new that Jesus introduced, although we think Jesus introduced this teaching and he said it, a new command I give to you. The reason why Jesus said it's a new command that I give to you because what Jesus is teaching is that this is on the same plane as the first one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Never before, Jesus, was this put on the same plane as number one. They're equal. And this guy, he must have been paying attention to Jesus. This teaching actually comes from Leviticus 19. It's not something new. It's in the Old Testament. But it was never on the same plane. And Jesus put it on the same plane the same level. And so, here it is. Let's break it down. What, what, what do I need to do to be right with, with God? And Jesus tells him, you've answered correctly, ding, you got it. Jesus replied, do this and you will live. Okay so that's today's lesson, thanks for coming. We can go home now, and we're finishing really early. One-hour service, wow. We heard it. This is all you need to do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And love your neighbor as yourself. We got it. Okay, here, let's break it down for using it like symbols. I heart God. I heart my neighbor. That's it. I heart God. I heart my neighbor. Let's go home. Okay? Jesus could have very well ended the lesson right there. But as any expert, as anybody who knows a lot, anybody that's got an issue with feeling good about themselves, they're not settled. The expert of the law is not settled with this. He wants more. So let's read what happens it says in verse fourteen but he wanted to justify himself so he asked Jesus who is my neighbor? now let me break this down what this means for you what let's understand what he was saying he wanted to justify himself he wanted to make sure that he is in good standing with God he knows he knows But he wants to, 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 to like, okay, so who is this person right here? Who is it? Because I think whoever this is, I'm better than him. I'm better than him. Now, no one would say this. You and I wouldn't say this, but we think it. We think it a lot. Because we walk around and we look at people and we say, I'm better than him. You go to work and you say, you know... Bob in accounting, he's weird. I'm totally better than him. He's got issues, you know. My boss, he may be higher up, but I'm way better than him. I see what he does. I see the way he acts. He's not good with people, you know. Or that girl at the gym, I'm totally better than her. She's got, I see the way she looks in the mirror all the time. She's got self-esteem issues. I'm good. I'm totally better than her, right? Or the guy across the street, the neighbor across the street, whoa, don't even talk about him. That guy is way, way out there, okay? I'm way better than him, right? Now, we don't say this. We don't come out and verbalize it, but guess what? You think it. We all do, don't we? And that's what his question was. I want to know who it is because I think I'm better than him. I think I'm up here. Right? So, can Jesus, can you tell me who this is? And, man, you know, some people, their heart, you got to kind of draw them out. But other people, their heart just comes right out. And that's how this guy is. He's self, you know, self-inflicted or self-proclaimed who he is and what's his problem. Okay, so if he's thinking this way about other people, do you think his heart is right? If you're thinking that way about other people, do you think your heart is Right? Okay, so then Jesus goes in and tells a story. And I want you to be honest, because we're in church, right? You've got to be honest in church. You shouldn't lie in church. You walk out the door, you can, but you shouldn't lie in here, especially to yourself, okay? Now, let's be honest. Do we think we're better than some people in our lives? Anybody questioning that? You high school students, let me, let me, let me help you out. Because there's groups in high school, right? There's totally groups in high school. What, what's, the, what's the most elevated group in high school? What's the most elevated group in high school? You guys tell me. Who, who's? The popular kids, right? And they got the group, and they're, they're, they're the in group. Now, probably some of you would say, yes, and I'm a part of that group. <laughs> or I know people in that group or at work and we do this it's all about groups we categorize people do you think you're better than other people and I'll bet you you do I bet we all do and so Jesus has to talk about and I know this because well let's just go do you think you're better than the people in the that are members of Congress absolutely I bet you there. Ninety-six. The, the 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 polls say ninety-six percent of us think that they are the worst of the worst people in Congress. Only four percent. Only four percent of us in the United States think those people are doing a good job. And maybe one or two of you are here, but the rest of us think, man, those guys are—they're terrible. They're doing a terrible job. Well, can we all agree on that? Think we're better. But here's what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. To meet your neighbor's needs with all the joy, speed, and power that you would your own. This is what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. Meeting your neighbor's needs with all the joy, speed, power that you would your own. And you and I both know we'll do things for ourselves but not for somebody else. That's the defining point of what Jesus is saying that's the breakdown so we're gonna look at the story then Jesus after all this Jesus he if you really want to know who the who your neighbor is let me share with you this story and because of technology we don't just get to listen to the story guess what we get to watch the story we get to watch a mini movie of this story that Jesus told so I'm gonna ask the town guys Dim the lights. Let's turn the sound. Hopefully the sound's going to work on this mini-movie of the story that Jesus told. Let's watch. can you help? Maybe you need to push play on it. Hate it when things don't work the way they're supposed to. I'm gonna categorize you guys in a minute if you don't. <laughs> okay, all right, well, you know what? This is exactly why I bring my Bible, okay? so it's not working one more try try. let's try it let's see i hear the sound i hear it sound there it is okay so turn up the volume and let's turn it down Pretty powerful, isn't it? Who's the hero of the movie? Samaritan. Samaritan. Samaritan is the hero. And, you know, for all of us here today, you know, what would you do if you found yourself in that situation and someone came along and took care of you like that? And just so you guys know, I mean, Jesus told this story specifically with the purpose. He used a Levite and the priest as those first two guys because guess what him the expert in the law could relate to those two first guys he's probably in their same group see because they knew the bible they they were the they were supposedly the ones that were supposed to take care of the poor and the needy and guess what they did they passed by and the guy that was least likely to be the one to care and have a heart and be godly, was a Samaritan. So you guys understand a little bit about the context. Samaritans and Jews, not even priests, Samaritans and Jews, they hated each other. They hated each other with a passion. It's kind of like Democrats and Republicans on meth. I mean, they really hate each other. I mean, they, 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 they just were screaming hate towards each other and so for Jesus to tell this story it it had a really hard strong meaning to this expert in law and so Jesus is not done with him yet right tells the story and he's not done with him yet and and look what he says so he's not gonna let him off the hook he gets him to say it which of these three do you think was a neighbor okay let's, let's zero it down you wanna know who the neighbor is here it is which one do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? You tell me. And look at what the guy says, the expert. The expert in the law replied, the one. He wouldn't even say the name. Samaritan. He said the one who had mercy on him. Boom. Here it is. Here is the opportunity for a heart change you know a lot of times we come to church and we want to be encouraged and fired up and we want to be you know walk out feeling better than when we came okay sometimes yes sometimes not so much how do you think he felt I mean his heart is out there are you fulfilling what God is asking you to do and it doesn't stop here this isn't isn't the whole story okay the Samaritan story isn't just about three guys and one who helped and two who didn't that's not the whole story I want you to understand something and this is where it rocks home for us the story of the good Samaritan you actually should change it to the, the half-dead Jew but that won't work well with hospitals right you know the half-dead Jew hospital that that wouldn't work much better to call it the good Samaritan hospital But the story is really about a half-dead Jew. And someone stopped and had mercy on him. And Jesus finishes and says, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. So Jesus would say to you and me, go and do likewise. But what is it, what is it if it happened, that created the heart change for this man. It's here in verse 33, as Jesus told the story. But the Samaritan, the Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he what? Saw. Saw. Say it together with me. When he Saw. saw. When he saw him, he took pity on him. Now pity, pity this word here. What this means is his his heart went out to him. His heart connected with him. His heart was, was identifying with where he was at. What did the Samaritan do that changed his heart? He visualized, he visualized, what if this guy on the roadside was me? What if I fell into the hands of robbers? What if it were me lying on the roadside, strewn out, bleeding, half dead? What would I want someone to do if it were me? If there's a question that I want to leave you with today, if you are going to love people as you love yourself, you have to ask yourself, will you, are you willing to put yourself in the position of somebody else? and Say, what if it were me? What would I want? You know, that homeless person, that drug addict type of person, you know, we all do it. We put people in categories, but let me tell you, you don't like it when people put you in categories, do you? I don't like it. I tell people I'm a minister, and they, boom, immediately put me in a category. Oh, you're this. I don't like it. I don't want people to do that. Hey, know my story. Identify with me. We want people to identify with us, right? But today, you've got to ask yourself, and are you willing, and you will have a change of heart, when you see a change, when you see, when you change what you see, it will change your heart. When you change what you see, it will change your heart. It's about what you see. Anybody, anywhere, I don't care in what level, what platform, we joked around about diets, we joked about... The reason why people have changes of heart is because they see something different than the way they saw it before. And if you are going to be on God's team, if you are going to be on Jesus' team, if you're going to be in good standing, you have to be willing to see things differently than the way you see them. And as I said before, this story isn't just about Because this Good Samaritan isn't just about helping other people. Let me break it down for you. Jesus isn't saying, don't just go and do. Go and see. What do you see when you see the Good Samaritan story? What do you really see? Let me ask you a question. Who was lying on the roadside half dead? I was after sin had ravaged my life created so much havoc so much damage had ruined my relationships guess who was emotionally wrecked lying on the roadside and if you don't see that you're out of touch with reality where were you where were we The the, the Good Samaritan story isn't just about three guys. It's the gospel story. And that's what he's trying to get the expert to understand. The gospel is about Jesus. Jesus went out of his way. See, because the, the expert in the law, he was focused on what? Performance. I have to earn God's mercy, love. I have to work at getting on God's team. And see, for some of us, we're all trying to earn it. We're trying to perform up to. Let me ask you, what could the guy laying on the road do to save himself? What could he do? Could he change his circumstance? Could he change his spiritual, physical, emotional condition? Absolutely not. He was there. The only hope he had is if someone would have walked up and picked him up and cured him and helped him. And that's what Jesus was trying to get him to understand. There comes a point in time, expert, you can't earn it. You can't perform it. You're helpless. Let let, let me show you a verse as we prepare for communion. Romans chapter 6, 5, verse 6. It says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still what? Say it with me. Powerless. Powerless. Lying half dead on the road, couldn't put ourselves back together again. Amen. Couldn't work our way back into good standing with God. What what happened? Christ died. Remember, remember the, the coins? Remember the coins? Paying for. You know what Jesus had to do? To pay for your healing, your recuperation? Your trans, your transformation. Look what it says here in verse eight. But God demonstrated His own love for us in this, while we were still what sinners. Christ died for us. He paid the price. He put Himself on the road of the, the, the side of the road and was brutally robbed, beaten, humiliated. For who? He was beaten. He was treated worse than the guy you saw on the side of the road. And he did that for who? For us. See, when you understand this, when you you grasp this, it changes your heart. See, because Jesus didn't just come to clarify how we see other people. He also came to clarify, how does God see us? How does God see you? How does he identify with you? Does he love you? Does he care about you? Absolutely. He's willing to put himself in the most horrific situation for you. He's willing to die for you. And see, when we understand that, there's a change of heart that happens. See, we don't do good things because we're trying to earn good standing with God. We do good things to people around us because we have been loved, we have been taken care of. And when you understand that, you look at people differently around you because what if it were me? Someone reached out to me, someone shared their faith with me, someone took time out of their busy schedule to study the Bible with me during the holidays. Someone invited me over for dinner and gave me their time. And why did they do that? You didn't get here by yourself. You didn't get to this place where you are by yourself, right? Somebody, somebody said, hey, will you come? Hey, will you study? Hey, will you, look at, will you look at the Bible? Will you look at what Jesus thinks about you? Will you look at what Jesus was willing to do for you? Amen. Right? Somebody did that for you. And you know why they did that for you? Because they put themselves in your place and they said, what if it were me? What would I want them to do for me if it were me? That's what it means to love like Jesus teaches us to love. And that's what he was trying to bring about And when you understand this, it changes everything. And I'm not saying you may be able to help everybody out there that needs help, but you can help one. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. So I want to encourage you this holiday season, as we enter into the the, the silly season, the wacky season, there's a lot of people out there that are hurting. I want to encourage you to take one. And if the one doesn't want it, you go to the next one, you go to the next one. You you find someone who you can show, what if it were me? What if it were your son? What if it were your relative? What would you do? How would it change your perception? So we're going to take the communion now and leave you with this one thing as we take the communion. The good Samaritan, as he went by and and got down on his knees and, and, and took he took That's Jesus with you. That's Jesus with you. He healed your wounds. He healed your marriage. He healed your family. He healed your future. And if that hasn't happened yet, I want to encourage you to let that happen, to study the Bible and get right with Jesus. Let him do that for you because you absolutely need it. Let's pray for the communion. Father, we thank you so very much for this opportunity that we can remember how much you love us. What we just read is true when we were powerless, when we could do nothing to change our spiritual condition. You died for us. God, we remember that right now. We remember Jesus. We remember the fact that he was beaten beyond recognition. Uh, He was humiliated and he was crucified in our stead. Please, God, help us to change our hearts today, how you see us and how we see people around us. Forgive us, God, for the ways that we put people in categories and help us to to, to change it, to be like the Samaritan and for our hearts to go out to people. Please be with us. Use your church to heal the hurting world. We love you. Thank you for this time that we can remember Jesus. Bless this communion, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.